Here we are, episode, damn, I should have done a little pre-production, Sean, 132, 133. 133. 133 of the Brian Oak Show. Look, when you start to get into triple digits, math gets confusing. So I hope we, well, I do hope we make it to a thousand shows, but man, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Here we are, episode <laughs> 133 of the Brian Oak Show, uh, supported by Smart Start MN. In fact, I am in the Smart Start MN studio, but today we're doing this by Zoom because people are sick, people have complex lives. It's not always as simple as getting around in the tree fort and doing a show properly. I am Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard, producer, friend, co-owner of the Brian Oak Show, LLC. And normally we have a little segment to ourselves before we get rolling, but today, um, since we're doing this by Zoom, we're just going to get everybody in early. We are joined by probably best known for his tenure in the Honey Dogs, but longtime Minnesota musician and Minneapolitan and just a guy that I've always enjoyed his company. He's been so brave about his ups and downs, sharing them on social media. And I don't think because he wants the attention, I think because he knows that there's not a human being around us that doesn't feel the struggle. I've always heard that when I listen to his music. So I assume that's the same form that he's, a, a, you know, the same aspect he's trying to express when he shares on social media. Adam Levy is our guest today. Adam, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Brian. Your hat game is exceptionally strong today. Other people cannot <laughs> see it, but I can see you on Zoom. And I'm a guy, as Sean and I have discussed many times, we're both slightly rotund Irishmen with heads the size of prize-winning gourds. And so we can't we can't wear hats. And you look good in a hat, man. You're doing well. I, I just, you know, I don't, first of all, I don't believe that. I think people don't like to wear hats. I love it. I would rather not wash my hair and just slap a cap on. <laughs> if I put that hat on top of my head and don't take this the wrong way, it would look like a yarmulke. It really would. <laughs> it, it would It would sit up here and you'd be like, oh, Christ, he really has a problem. We could put like a little afternoon together going to, to look at hats because a lot of times people don't know like their head size and they don't I, know which particular brims look nice. Not every single crown on a hat looks good, but you're not understanding, Adam. Like when, when they say one size fits all and then you get turned away, it's the most humbling thing. When you've got when you've got three assistants at the haberdashery trying <laughs> to pull the hat down over your head and they're like, sir, we're going to have to ask you to go to another shop. Right. Well, guys, you know, I, I hate to say this, but this sounds an awful like a lot like a guy complaining about condoms not fitting. <laughs> oh, there we go. There's I, I, always that weasel when you're like 19. Right, like, sorry, man, magnums aren't big enough, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's not like that. The, the cranium, I, I wish I had the other complaint. In any event, before we drift too far off course, um, Adam, in recent years, uh, has been part of Turn, Turn, Turn. And I'm, I'm actually ecstatic to find out that there is new Honey Dogs music and new two Turn, Turn, Turn music in the works, which we're going to talk a bunch about. But before we get into anything heavy or serious or interesting, because of my years in radio, I like to start with something surfacey. I heard one of those commercials uh, earlier today that said, you know, like, hey, my name is Blub. And it's like some lame actor, pretend person. It's not their real name. And they're, they're sharing some sort of like, you know, oh, I did this and now I take this medicine or... Or I bought this product and now I feel better or I'm a small business owner and by using this credit system I can which that happened to be the case and he said his name was Brian and it stuck out to me because I'm like you know Brian's not an uncommon name but it's not a common name and it made me think about how I always felt about my own name when I was a kid I thought Brian was the worst lamest <laughs> dorkiest name I'd ever heard in my life and maybe because I had a low self-opinion or the only other Brian's I knew were also like myself, neck deep in dorkitude. Um, and and I just, I, I never was really fond of my name, but at some point I became comfortable in it. I, I grew into it. And so it made me want to ask both of you, Sean first, and then our guest, Adam, growing up, like, did you like the name Sean, even though it's spelled wrong, there's not a W in it? Like, did that bother you at any point? Like, did you enjoy your name growing up? Did you not enjoy it? Did you not really care or ever think about it? I think when I was real young, um, people would always call me Scene, and they'd think they were the first ones to ever say it. And with the last name Barnard, it was always St. Bernard or Barnyard and same thing. People always thought they were the first to come up with it, and they'd laugh and laugh. And 
Hang so it just, it, it just kind of got old, you know, so I, I don't mind my name. And, and the older I get, I like having an Irish name. I uh, relate to my Irish heritage quite a bit. So I just you know. wrote down St. Bernard because as long as I've known you, which is more than 20 years, <laughs> I never thought to put the two together. Yeah. Barnyard has occurred to me in the past, but St. Barnyard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I, yeah. I and and everybody, I, when they say it, they're like, hey, what's up, St. Bernard? <laughs> and then they laugh at their own their own joke. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Adam, so, I mean, and again, it's the whole first name bit, right? It's like people are always like, I hate the sound of my own voice. But you as a singer have had to heard your own, hear your own voice for a very, very long time. But specifically regarding your name, growing up, did you like the name Adam? I mean, the first man, hello. Or, or did, did you not like it? Or did it never really occur to you that it might be good or bad? I, I loved it. And there weren't a lot of Adams when I was a kid. It's now, I think it's become like one of the 10 top names hmm. of kids. Very so strong name. It, it always like I'm on the street and somebody says Adam and I feel like they're talking. I feel like, man, I am so popular, but it's just something. <laughs> um, Here's the thing, is my name, Adam Levy, there's another guitar player with oh. name Adam Levy. And um, it has been an endless source of confusion. And I've I, I watched him get really irritated by it. <laughs> but luckily, like, I really like the stuff the dude did. Like, I can remember in 2001, I think, uh, Nora Jones was accepting her Grammy and she says, I want to thank all these people and I want to thank Adam Levy. And so I got all these phone calls and I was announced <laughs> on the radio as Adam Levy got a Grammy. And so it was good, right? Um, but it was, it was just like, it's on social media, it happens to him all the time. It's people calling for gigs either way. And uh, we finally got together a few years ago at the Excel Center during a Nora Jones show. And so I finally got to meet him face to face and got to meet Nora Jones and it was a hoot. And did you realize that that guy's a loser and you're the actual Adam Levy? <laughs> is there like a fight Imposter. for the name? I mean, I did. A, I, I was doing a few social media IDs as, you know, the real Adam Levy to really fuck with him. But <laughs> As long as you get that blue check mark on your Twitter account, man, that's all that matters. Adam Levy is our guest and we're going to talk about new Honey Dogs music. We're going to talk about new turn, turn, turn music. But before we get to it, I always like to play a song early on in the show and right here, I can't explain it. You know, I've worked at a record store for a while now, but long before I worked at a record store, I'm of the opinion that you don't get to pick who you love, when you fall in love, the things that move you, they happen. And maybe they're informed by your past choices, but sometimes there's just this magical alchemy that happens and you don't get to pick. And for me, one of those is Julie London. I don't, you know, I, who would be a famous American actress, an incredible American singer. She would go on to be Dixie on Emergency when I was a kid, which I had no idea at the time. But I, as I've come to know her music and the images that she was portrayed as, this is incredible sort of bombshell torch singer, there is an allure there. But there's something about the quality of her voice that draws me in no matter what she sings. And this is a song that's been done by hundreds, maybe thousands of artists. It's not a particularly distinctive song, but somehow when Julie London does it, I, I like every song she does, I'm deeply enamored. So this song I decided I wanted to start out the show with because it's been so brutally cold here in Minnesota. And I'm not trying to compare to Minnesota to Texas. We're ready for it. We've done this many, many times. Texas gets an ice storm and it goes down to one degree those people are in genuine trouble, right? And so like making fun of them from like, oh, we're from the North, suck it up, cowpoke, whatever the case may be. <laughs> it, it's not it, it's not cool to do that. These people are not prepared for these things. But if you look at the national weather map right now, there's this giant plunging polar fang going all the way down <laughs> to Mexico that there are a lot of people going through some bad things but I've also so it's been a, it's been kind of an uphill week and I know that it has for you as well Adam we'll talk about that as well um, but then I think about these small pockets of love and kindness and decency and that I still have a lot to be thankful for and it's just cold it'll pass 
unlike many other things, it's not permanent and it will pass. So I wanted to hear a little Julie London uh, with her take on the classic I've Got My Love to Keep Me Warm here on The Brian Oak Show. The snow is snowing, the wind is blowing, but I can weather the storm. What do favorites julie london with her take on i got my love to keep me warm it's been the deep freeze here in the upper midwest here in minnesota the smart start mn studio located in scenic and historic south minneapolis near 48th in chicago and um it's been brutal but it's considering that it took till february to get truly cold we're in the home stretch now i mean march will be uh, and we'll still get a little taste of snow and some cold in april but all things considered <clears throat> 
you know, it's uh, it could be a lot worse, I guess, is the perspective I like to have. It's the Brian Oak Show, episode 133, here in the Smart Start MN studio. Well, at least I am. We're doing a Zoom connection with our friend Adam and producer Sean. Um, and Smart Start MN, I have to mention very quickly, is the primary naming sponsor of the show. But also, they signed on before we ever did a single episode. And somehow... Despite our best efforts, to the contrary, they are still with us 133 episodes later. Smart Start MN is the founder or at part of the foundation of Minnesota's ignition interlock system. If someone in your life or you have a DUI, you will lose your license. You will lose the ability to drive. That doesn't mean it goes away forever. And these are the people who help create the system that gets you back into your vehicle safely, intelligently, and in their case, less than for less than you might otherwise expect. And they're local. They're one of us. They're some of us. They are the company to go to should you find yourself in a bad situation. Smart Start MN. And if you go in and not only let them know that you need their help, but also that you are a fan of the Brian Oak Show, we can get you the ignition interlock for less than you might otherwise pay. Yeah, 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. Go to smartstartmn.com slash The Brian Oak Show. And while it has nothing to do with drinking and driving, our guest today, Adam Levy, has had one of those weeks in February. This past weekend was Valentine's Day, and I saw your post, Adam, on Valentine's Day in the afternoon. And I, my friend Jeff Stubblefield says... Tragedy is me falling down the stairs. Comedy is you falling down the stairs. And I don't, <laughs> I, I don't mean to laugh at your misfortune, but there, I mean, if we, if we lose our sense of humor, then we're truly lost, right? But you wrote on February 14th, you know those days where you spill a can of coral pink paint, sprays <laughs> a wall, and all the paintings on it, including canvases, and then you try to jump your dead car and flames shoot out and hydrogen gas start smoking out of the battery? Your brother Noah, who I, I know well and is a very kind individual, he said, you wrote, my, little, my wise little brother Noah would often say in his axiomatic fashion, we make our own luck, ain't it the truth? Hashtag schlep rock, hashtag Valentine's <laughs> Day. My good man, Adam, I do not mean to laugh at your misfortune, but that's a hell of a lot to come down on a day that's supposed to be a wonderful day filled with roses and bonbons. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that was, you know... I, of course, I screamed. My dad was a rager. So the minute the paint can hit the ground, just, you know, I think the neighbors, I probably scared the neighbors. I yelled at the top of the lungs. But I realized it was so ridiculous. I had to take a picture before I tried to clean it up. <laughs> a couple of hours to clean it up and to uh, work on, on the paintings that had gotten doused. So mm. it all ended up okay. But then uh, the next day I tried to start my car and, and <laughs> blew up in a way I've never seen cables oh. on a car. So my girlfriend had to kind of leave me at home to have my car tended to and towed. So I was all alone that night. It was just, you know, kind of the, the icing on the cake of a miserable 24 hours. The perfect Valentine's Day now. And I've never put too much stock in Valentine's Day. I mean, I've certainly gotten the cards and the flowers and the candy or made the nice gesture. But, you know, like love, we all know that love, like everything in life, is cyclical, right? Like it's it's not it, to be like, okay, today it's really important. You're romantic and in love and you better do the right thing. I've always hated that notion. Doesn't mean I'm not willing to put the effort in. Doesn't I'm not like one of those, this is a fake holiday. Don't tell me when to be in love. <laughs> but also it's a fake holiday and don't tell me when to be in love. <laughs> that said, there is some expectation. And you had about the most extreme example of an anti anti valentine's day that i saw on social media have you recovered okay i'm doing great i just i've got a, a 730 dollar car bill to deal with aside oh. doing great well oh. i recently had the irs reach out and say oh by the way from four years ago you owe us almost three grand i'm like oh what i it's weird i looked at my bank account i'm like well i don't not sure what we're going to do here, IRS. But you know, like you get you get these little surprise things that come along because that's also life. So here we are, Adam, in the winter of our discontent, and you know it's been COVID, it's been lockdown. Yes, the vaccines are coming. Happy to report, my mom got her first vaccine. My dad got her second one. My wife, who's an educator, is going to be getting her first one sometime in the next week or two. Um, they are coming, but we've all we've all had a year unlike any other year. 
But one of my favorite stories is in that last year, and maybe it probably goes back a little further than that, but really it got a chance to express itself most. You and your trio, Turn, 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 sort of have, you know, continued to write music and make music and do things during this time. And But I think that most people, and I don't think this is, you know, odd or weird. I think most people know your name from your tenure in Minnesota's legendary band, Honey Dogs. Would you say that's fair? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the thing that most people know that I've done. I'm no. always, I, I like the fact that when I do different things, though, sometimes people just like that and they're completely unaware of the Honey Dogs. You know, like to some people, yeah. I'm a kid's music person. I'm in bunny clogs and that's yep. it. And other people, I'm from Hookers and Below, and they don't they don't care or know anything about me being a songwriter. Well, we, we, I mean, and so that's what's fun. And you've done so much for so long. Before we talk about, you know, Honey Dogs and the fact that there's new Honey Dogs music that we're going to hear some of, which I'm kind of excited about because, wow, I had no idea. Um, prior to Honey Dogs, you know, you, are you are you from here? When, when did you start making music? I grew up in St. Paul, and... I started playing music in like 1979, 1980, started doing my first bands. And I was like many kids that grew up in this area. I was like a disco sucks rock music listening kid who discovered punk rock and the clash and Elvis Costello in the, mm. in the early eighties. And, and then realized, Oh my God, there's like people in town that are doing this stuff too. It's not just in England and Los Angeles and New York. And so, of course, you know, I wanted to get in bands that would play in the first first avenue in the entry in, in the early 80s, too. So that's kind of where I came from. Then I went to college. And uh, while I was in college, I, I was interested in, in ethnomusicology and music history and really like country music and folk music and the meaning uh, and the history and the sort of sociopolitics of, of blues and jazz and country music. So not to interrupt, but so like, were you an Alan Lomax guy? Like, I mean, like going out and all the field recordings he did. I mean, like he was someone who saw the value of like this person playing on their back porch will vanish with no one have ever heard their name or a note they played unless I record it. Did that kind of stuff appeal to you? Absolutely. I was all into that. I was an anthropology student. So yeah, I was sifting through those old recordings. And at that point, it was a little more difficult to find them in other anywhere else other than a library. So I was listening to that stuff. I kind of missed the eighties when I was in college. There's a lot of, you know, songs that people will play and, and say, Oh, do you remember that? And it's like, no, I never watched MTV. I was listening to Charlie Parker and Elizabeth Cotton and Mississippi gone hurt and you know, Merle Haggard and stuff like that. I totally was not interested. I was just interested in the history of American music and, hmm some British stuff. Well, I'll make you a mixtape of missing persons that is going to blow your mind. <laughs> so you're getting into this, you do your music and it comes to the point where like, had you been playing music yourself in addition to being a fan and a student of music, had you been playing music during this time? Yeah. I mean, I was, as I was listening to these things, I really liked, I was learning how to do them. I wasn't, I was trying to write songs, but they were terrible. And so I kind of figured when I finished, when I finished college, I'm just going to be like uh, uh, a side guy. And I'm, I really love, there's so many great guitar players. I want to be one of those kind of guys that's taking this country rock jazz stuff and put it in a, in a rock setting with a really great songwriter. And at that point I met Chris Lynch and we started the Picadors or actually he started it with my brother and some other folks. And they just said, why don't you check it out? And they kind of liked what I brought to the table. And we did that for a few years. And I really learned a lot from watching Chris sing and, and write and really influenced my, my musical tastes and everything. Can I, can I ask you a quick question about the Picadors? Because, you know, there is a great, Minnesotans are very provincial, right? And there's a great reverence for that which has come before. And even if it wasn't necessarily celebrated at the time, people will go back and, you know, unearth uh 94 east or the minneapolis sound or all these great minnesota and specifically twin cities bands from the past i own two picadors cds i don't hear ever hear anybody talk about picadors for all the veneration that's done on all these great twin cities bands why don't people talk about the picadors more I, that's a good question um i mean 
look at Chris Lynch and the music and art he's making now. It's right. every bit as cool as that. Um, and I really think as a songwriter, no one was doing what he was doing when he was doing it. You know, we were listening to the replacements and Trip Shakespeare, but Chris's songwriting didn't sound anything like that. You know, he was unearthing a lot of stuff those guys hadn't heard before and um, writing in, in with sort of like classical music influences that none of those folks have. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just because the music is um, a little, it, it falls outside of what is normally considered like Americana, Minnesota music. Right. Well, and then that's it. I just, I put those CDs on from time to time and I'm like, this is good. And just, you know, like the, the, the way people sort of, you know, eulogize and sort of have these incredible memories, not eulogize, but, you know, sort of like celebrate and have these incredible memories of bands that have come and gone. I just never hear anyone say anything about the Picadors. And I think they deserve better than that. So let's get to the Honey Dogs. You at some point and your brother and several others become the Honey Dogs and success is not immediate, but it does come was that weird? Was that like a weird rush? Was it like being lifted up by a wave when people started to really pay attention to honey dogs? Yeah, I mean, it was surreal. It, it when it happened, it felt it felt logical just because the kind of work we were putting in. And at that point, there were sort of like a formula. This is what you do. You know, you watched all of your peers around you. How did they get deals? What did they do? And who did they meet? And what what's the sort of, you know, what's the touring regimen? All that kind of stuff. We we sort of did it by the book. We sat next to a phone with a big map of America and a bunch of push pins and decided we need to go to these places. And we found out which clubs were there. We booked ourselves and, you know, toured and toured and toured. And um, a lot of people kind of liked us because they, we reminded them of one of their favorite bands that broke up the replacements or they liked it because it sounded like, you know, the flying burrito brothers or something like that. We just, you know, we were, we were a part of a really big wave of Americana bands in the early nineties out of the Twin Cities or that had relationships with the Twin Cities like, you know, Wilco and Sunvolt and so forth. Um, so it all, it, it's kind of felt like it made sense when it happened. It was very exciting for me because when, when that first wave crested for Honey Dogs, I got to have a front row seat. That was sort of my entree into Minnesota radio, right? I was doing a lot of radio, so we did a lot of events together. I got to see you gentlemen all the time. You were in studio. I was out introducing you at various events. Um, it was exciting. You know, Minnesota, as, as much as the 80s get celebrated, the 90s were a really incredible time for some Minnesota music as well. And the Honey Dogs did very well. Here's the deal. I want to talk more about the Honey Dogs evolution, and I definitely want to talk about Turn, 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 but I hate to go too long in the show without getting music. You're telling me right now that we're about to hear a new Honey Dog song. I need to know, I guess I didn't know that with the advent of Turn, Turn, Turn and what you've done, I didn't know the Honey Dogs were still an active unit. Tell me where we are right now, who's involved, what we're doing and, and, and how we come to the moment where we're about to hear a new Honey Dog song. I, there's, a, there's a Honey Dogs record that's probably about 75% done as well as a solo record uh, that for a year or so, that time I'm like, and so that will come out at some point. Um, and this was a song we were asked by First Love, which is a group of Minnesota creatives who are trying to raise money to help First Avenue keep their doors open. Right. So we're on the second collection of songs they put out with bands like uh, Babes in Toyland and Low and uh, Nerdy and a few other folks. Um, and so, yeah, this is a song that I wrote a few years ago when I was hospitalized. Well, that just opened up 18 more questions. So before <laughs> we get to that, let's hear the new Honey Dog song and we'll come back and talk more with Adam Levy next on The Brian Oak Show. Nobody sees you when you're crazy. Broken, raging, and you're hazy They don't care about you They just shut you in a room Maybe you just go away Nobody sees you when you're poor Your stomach's hungry and your mind's at war You want help but You won't pull yourself up They just hope you'll go away Sean lives in the 
Southeast Minneapolis, so I'm on Hiawatha on the regular. I make it by Powderhorn on the regular and several other areas where there are tent cities. That's a relatively brand new song from uh, Honey Dogs called Tent City. And it's a real phenomenon. I'm sure not just here, I'm sure many other places, but the Twin Cities have come to know the notion of a tent city more in the last few years than probably ever before. Adam Levy is our guest. So Adam, before we talk about what actually inspired the song, from a personal artistic level, I want to know from you, since you talk about having a solo record in the can and a Honey Dog record that is Honey Dog's record that is 75% done, what, how do you determine what's an Adam Levy song and what's a Honey Dog song? Um, you know, it's a good question. It's just one of those things where it, at some points it didn't matter. I kind of would do things that could have ended up in either place. It was just sort of when they got written. Um, but I've got like so many songs right now, I sort of have to think about what seems to be more um, that will fit with another body of work. And, and the Honey Dog stuff uh, is kind of rocking, like the last bunch of stuff I did. And um, it actually started as solo music because I was going to make this rock record. And then I just decided as I was making the solo record, there were two really different styles that started to happen. There was a really more kind of experimental, weirder sounding batch of stuff, and then a more rock thing. And I thought, you know what, why don't I just do those more conventional sounding rock tunes on the Honey Dogs record and then do this odd stuff on the solo record. <laughs> and then things that would sound great with three voices, let's put those on the, on the Turn, Turn, Turn record. Right on. Well, that that record right there, that song we just heard, Ten City, that sounded like a Honey Dog song to me. It was good. It was filled with hooks. It had good rock okay. action in it. It had a great guitar solo. That was really cool. So you mentioned right before we went into it that you wrote it when you were hospitalized. I don't ever ask anybody to open up too big a vein, and I don't try to dig too deeply into people's personal lives ever. What were you in the hospital for, and how did the hospital experience inspire that particular song? I was hospitalized, uh, it's going on about two and a half, three years almost. I was hospitalized as having a, a mental health breakdown, a, a psychotic break that was enhanced by alcohol use at the time. I was on a, I was on a um, what do you call it, a relapse. I, I was relapsing for about a year and it just kept getting worse. I was losing, I lost my partner. I was losing work opportunities. I was alienating myself from my kids. And I checked myself in for a 72 hour hold at Hennepin County. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, Sean has been sober for what, seven years now, Sean? Yeah, about seven and a half. And I'm 
chugging my way through just over six months through. And so we are not unfamiliar with the nature of how that works. And it really, for people who haven't tried recovery or haven't, you know, you don't have to hit rock bottom. You don't have to be living in a tent city to be able to experience what that's like. But anybody who's been there or flirted with that area or drifted through that or gone through the even harder stuff knows what you're talking about. So you find yourself in the hospital what happens or who becomes involved that you write that song we just heard, Ten City? I, I was talking to a lot of the folks in there. I sort of got settled in and um, I I kind of was enjoying the break from reality just because my <laughs> life was so... Oh my God. You know, and, and, I, and I sort of like caught myself like, dude, how can you how can you be happy that you're here? Well, I knew I wasn't going to be here unless I was there. So I was, I knew my children would be grateful that I did it. And I spent my time talking to people in there and chatting and journaling. And I met a guy who basically was a, a severe, he was my age and he had no teeth and he traveled the country and didn't know how he got around because he was just drinking. And hmm. he ended up uh, in this, he, he was going to kill himself before uh, cops brought him into this center. Mm. And I just had thought about those drives down Hiawatha and seeing those houses and thinking about mm. basically this late stage capitalism that we're in where mm -hmm. people in poverty uh, are never getting out of poverty and their mm -hmm. situations increasing, are increasingly getting worse and more desperate. And there, there aren't the safety valves to take care of them. There aren't the, the sort of large scale programs that we once had. Um, it's, it's hard not to be affected by that every day if you have a heart, you know? So I, I'd been trying to figure out what's a way to talk about this issue. And I think when I became hospitalized and I sort of felt that pain of, um, you know, being at, at the bottom, but I also knew like, dude, you are so privileged. You are so lucky. There are so many people that don't, have what you have. You also, Adam, you also have the power to heal yourself. And that's the other part of it is that you have given this great gift to other people through your music to help them heal, including your album, Knob and Way. And we don't have to go down that full path today on this show, but the healing that that provided for myself and for my daughter and for my family, an album that I felt like you wrote for yourself in many ways, for yourself to to help heal from the loss of your son. Uh, but those songs ripped me to shreds and helped me heal while my daughter at the exact same time was just getting out of Fairview Riverside. Wow. So you look at your life and your pain and the challenges that you have, and, and you're a guy that you may not even realize the impact you've had on other people to help them heal. You know, so I'm so glad that you took that step for yourself, but selfishly, I'm glad you took it for other people too. I appreciate that for sure. I think there's always a real thin line when you're, when you're making art, you know, are you, is it coming from your own experience? And yeah. if it's not coming from your experience, are you doing a service to somebody or you're using yeah. their story for yourself? And my hope is that when I do that, when I use other people's stories, I'm amplifying them rather than, you know, aggrandizing myself. Absolutely. And I think that album in particular, it was just so obvious, the love that you had for each other, you and Daniel had for each other. And there's so many aching lyrics in that, but also healing and such incredible beauty in that, uh, in that album. It's, it's one of my favorite pieces of work you've done. And you and I, uh, when, when I worked at 104.1 The Point, Honey Dogs was like our station band. So you guys did a lot with us. I, I produced the morning show there um, and know you from those days. So I just want to say thank you. Um, as we're talking about mental health, that's something that I've struggled with. I thank you for your work uh, in helping to heal others. Thank you. Uh, I think, Sean, you bring up an excellent point because whether we're talking about it doesn't really matter what we're talking about. The role of the artist, right? Like, I mean, like, how esoteric can we get here? But the role mm -hmm. of the artist, you know, I mean, like, given the the political upheaval oh. in our native land over the last several years, you know, people are like, well, should artists shut up and sing? Or is it is it actually the obligation of the artist to use their voice to mm -hmm. elevate us or to define us or to move us in a certain direction? But I don't think 
you know, I don't think whether you're a sculptor or a dancer or uh, what do they call those? Like a rhythmic dancer, a ribbon dancer in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, literally, I, I don't mean to make light of it. No matter what you do, I think it is the artist's obligation to reflect honesty and what we are as a people, or at least their interpretation of it, right? Which is why I think I think artistic criticism is ridiculous. You know, it's fine to say, well, this person played these notes or this person danced these steps, but to try to understand the impact on the individual is impossible. And so when you talk about the impact, Sean, of that particular record that mm -hmm. Adam wrote about an impossible place of darkness and pain, but having to find a way forward because what option do we have that's art right that's the essence of art you know it is to uplift it is to inform it is to express the artist is obligated to be honest and i think to me that's how many times sean have i said on the show the reason that i like an author a mm -hmm. politician a musician whatever the person may be whoever they are in life it doesn't even have to be an artist I need to believe them. I need, I need mm -hmm. to feel it. I'm not afraid to cry. I'm not yeah. afraid to laugh. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm not afraid to cry Fuck yeah. it right now. Um, but I feel, I feel like if you're going to be an artist, your, your job, not only your, your debt, if there is such a thing to your fans or your audience, but also to yourself is to be honest. Adam, does that make sense to you at all? Or am I just a fool? Am I yeah. another art critic who should be swept? <laughs> No, it's 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 great. I, I don't have much to add to that. I mean, I think that what you're saying is absolutely right. I don't I would never judge anybody for not writing about politics, you know, because for a lot of people, it doesn't feel honest, as you say. Um, but for me, it's been impossible in the last year not to write a lot about that. And the last turn, turn, turn record for me was really nice because it felt sort of like I was talking about a few, one or two relationships generally in that. And that felt really honest to me in a way that I hadn't written about relationships for some time. But right now, um, I, I want to talk about what's going on, or at least the, the way I see what's going on. Well, and, and, and that's it. I. You know, you don't want to hold anybody because to standards, because then like someone will come up to you and be like, well, what about that podcast where you talked about, <laughs> you know, tuna sandwiches or whatever? Like, I mean, like, <laughs> it doesn't all have to be gold all the time. No. But, you know, like the, we all know those moments when you feel like Sean talking about your record. Like, I mean, it ripped him apart because it's probably never been more real or honest for you. And <laughs> it just, you know, you need to believe if art is going to move you, I guess is my bottom line. Speaking of, it's the Brian Oak Show. Before we talk about Turn, 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 which I'd really like to talk about here because apparently there's more on the way, which is one of the best pieces of news that's been proffered to me in 2021. Um, Sean Bernard, in addition to being a little bit of a softy, good friend, <laughs> longtime <laughs> colleague, uh, also is a sponsor of the show and a realtor for Edina Realty. And here we are, mid-February, cold as fuck. And it is not normally a time that any units move, but it is the time to start thinking about moving units in the not-too-distant future. Would you say that's fair? I would say, yeah, moving units. That's what I like to call people buying and selling houses. Let's just move some units. Okay. That's really, you know what I meant. I'm that's sorry, really, I'm sorry. Let's really personalize it as much as we can. <laughs> I didn't, um, I didn't mean it like that. I just, I, right. mean, I mean, but in the grand sense, anyone who's ever done business or has, even musicians, you know, radio friendly unit shifter. Am I right, Adam? That, yeah. I used to say I, I sell air or rectangles if it's digital. So I move units. That's what I do. And not, not very many lately. Well, that's the that's the goal, though. That's okay. all you're trying to do is move units. You're not I trying to impact people's lives or anything. I, I didn't. I didn't try to reduce it down to the basic economic elements, although apparently I did. But what I meant was, in the grand scheme, no matter how emotionally impactful it may be to someone's life, this is a time of year where many of those emotional impacts are less frequent than other times of the year. That's true. But one cool thing is, I just heard yesterday from a listener of the show, and I'm going to help. Uh, him and his girlfriend find a home. They live in Uptown right now, and uh, they want to find their very first place. It's a tight market, but it can be done, and we can find a great place for them to find a unit that's right for the two of them. So 
I'm excited about that. One other thing to mention that's completely meaningless is I found out today that I made the leadership circle at 50th and France for being one of the top whatever percent no, no, you of realtors. Said, you said yeah. two different things. You said something I was excited to learn about, which is completely meaningless. Bullshit. Do not. It's meaningless. I, I, I want to matter. believe you. No, I want to believe you. So you made the leadership circle and you only do that if people actually believe you. Yeah, I won't. I won't downplay it. I, I love helping people. I love helping people, you know, whether it's sell their home and free up some money to do what else they want to do or downsize or the last two deals I did, we helped moms that were going into assisted living, uh, sell the family house, which is incredibly emotional. And you kind of have to have the right mindset to do that sort of thing. And so I, I love the work I do. I love to help people. And, and one of the things I'm going to do again this year, even though the warming house is gone and we can't donate to them right now, uh, I'm going to try to find a way to donate money to area musicians for every house I sell and 2021. Uh, so 2021, 2021, 2000. Well, what I'm saying is I'm not going to do it for another like 20,000 years. <laughs> I'm, just kidding, I'm just kidding. No. So anyway, if you know of anybody who's looking to buy or sell, uh, have them call me at 612-859-2594. That number is also text worthy. Uh, as we get back into things here, talking to Adam Levy, Adam, when you were attaching jumper cables to your battery, <laughs> I know I, I, I'm, this is going to be very brief. I just I mean, love like, it that we're hard right turn. I remember, I, that's what we do here. We're going to talk I about know, turn, turn, turn. So Adam, I just remember one time I was plugging something into a power strip behind the big uh, thing down in the basement. And when you talked about what happened when you tried to charge the battery <laughs> and, and fire leaped out of it, I had sparks shoot out of both the wall and the power strip, not realizing the cats had urinated on the power strip and there was some sort of bizarre connection and great pink and blue and sparkly flames leapt into my face and I may have screamed like I was witnessing the dawn of creation. Was it something similar when your battery exploded? Well, luckily there was no uh, cat urine on my... <laughs> I think like it was something that they used in World War One as a skin irritant. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, there was a horrible smell, and the cables, like the clips on the cables, burnt. And mm. it was that like that amount of electricity misfired through it. Um, we were really careful, my girlfriend and I, to make make sure it was on the right places on her car. Unfortunately, like on her battery, it's not just a positive and a negative post. There's this other thing that had like yeah. a little red mark on it. And um, I'm pretty sure we did the right thing. But anyway, <laughs> that happened, fired through my car, you know, shut it down. And I just felt like a complete Bono, Bono, Bonehead. <laughs> Bono works fine as well. There's no problem with that. Um, hey, we don't have a ton of time left. So before we wrap up, I want to make sure and talk about turn, turn, turn. You know, you have been, there's no shortage of collaborations in your career. There's no shortage of working with other people, evolution, you know, whatever the case may be. But Turn, Turn, Turn is not just like, a oh, here's a fun little side project. You getting together with Savannah Smith and Barb Bridstad. I mean, we had all three of you on the show, you know, last year. Um, it's a significant moment because it hit a lot of people and everyone's like, oh, mm. this isn't a mistake. This is, this is real. Like, no matter so who's good, up yeah. front, no matter who's doing the harmonies, there's enough here. And that's not a given, right? Like, I mean, like being able to not just harmonize, but to get along and find that musical path. A, a bunch of people following one person is one thing. Three people who are all wildly creative and exceptionally mm -hmm. talented, morphing into a, a complete thing. That's another thing entirely. How did Turn, Turn, Turn really originally happen? Uh, yeah, what you said, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was very organic as far as the 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 fact that it was three people who knew what they were doing and we sort of it wasn't like oh I had a vision of something it sort of all came together it started out just playing let's do three-part harmony stuff of our favorite songwriters that maybe were the sort of Laurel Canyon late 60s 70s and we were just doing covers and then Barb said, Savannah, you got originals. Let's throw those in there. And then I had originals and we mm. started recording them. And it was like, 
well, I like this more than the covers that we're doing. Let's do this. So yeah, it was one of these, one of those roads and paths that, that you come upon that you had no idea how it was going to end up. And it's way different than what I thought. And it's become extremely rewarding for me creatively. Mm -hmm. So here we are, you've been doing it. When, when was the first time you, you know, that you consider the start of the band, whether it, it was that first great rehearsal or that first live performance or that first recording session, how long has turn, turn, turn been a thing? It's been about two years. I think we had okay. our show in like, December of 2019 or something like that. Got it. I mean, so you've been a band for a while and you were able to get some shows under your belt before the whole world got shut down. Your right. music is available out on Bandcamp. It's also available in real world record stores. Um, but you're telling me that there is new stuff in the hopper already for, for round two. Yes, it is. Yeah, lots of, you know, there's not much to do during a pandemic except clean your house and write music. And I've got a nice recording set up, so I'm getting a good a good head start here on a new record. And so when, when you say getting a good head start, I mean, like, I don't know, it's weird. We have so many guests who range from, I don't care, whatever, I'll come into your studio to no way I haven't seen another living human being in almost 11 months. You know, there's that whole spectrum of how people are. And I, I, I'm, I'm not judging anyone because I take it very seriously, but we still have guests in the studio. Um, so I, are you able to see your bandmates or is it strictly, here's a thing I recorded, what do you think of it, lay something on top of it, or how does that work for Turn, Turn, Turn? That's that's kind of what, you know, because of the constraints of health and pandemic, it's mostly, you know, we're writing on our own. And then, you know, fortunately, like you can send things back and forth in this day and age. Right. So my guess is there's thousands of records that will will come out in the next year that were made remotely by people in different places at different times. And again, it's, you know, like the technology makes that possible. Um, and I think like the, what I've got in my house creates really nice organic sounding recordings. So no one will know that it, it wasn't done in a room altogether. But I don't, I don't think, I don't think that really matters. Right. I mean, like it, it shouldn't have to be, given the, the nature of technology today, I mean, even if we're talking about major mega pop hits, not everybody was in the room for one day in an afternoon cranking it out, right? Like this right. person laid this down here, then it got sent to Berlin, then it got sent to Chattanooga, and then this person worked on it over here. I mean, that's the nature of modern music. Uh, we like to think of things as a little more organic than that, but there's nothing wrong with that. But I wonder, does it rob us of some of the the you know the fact that it's done separately does it rob us of a little of that bitter fleetwood mackie and infighting <laughs> that we would have in the <laughs> studio if we were all there like what the fuck was that it's like that's the way we practiced this morning fuck you no fuck <laughs> you everyone goes away and has lunch and comes back two hours later do you miss any of that i you know that that fighting in the studio i haven't had for a long time and i <laughs> don't miss any of that uh. <laughs> but you know the last time we made Turn, 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 made the record. We basically did it in a few days in a studio. And wow. um, that was fun. You know, we were all together. We were bouncing back and forth. We were in really a really great mood. Mm. I think this record is going to be slightly different sonically. Uh, who, you know, I don't know who's going to end up mixing it and stuff like that. But um, this feels like more expansive, you know, musically. Mm. Um Sometimes people can't tell when they listen to it how it was made. So people will be the judge when they hear it. You seem awfully, uh, awfully, um, I don't know, comfortable and reasonable and centered and <laughs> well-balanced for a person who's been living in a pandemic for a year and had the week that you just had. You, I, are, it, what, what is the secret of your serenity? Mushrooms. <laughs> oh my god we were going to talk about microdosing, and I, I, i'm trying to wrap up the show I've started, I've started to grow them myself brian it's a whole nother show holy crap adam no i'm not joking right now adam a friend of mine mentioned they saw your post on microdosing, and i intended to bring that up and i thought that's such a massive subject it's such a huge deal will you do me a favor yeah. even though I, I know you'll have more work done by then Will you please come back in March on a show devoted to nothing but microdosing? I'm so down. 
And that's what an awful tease to people who are like, no, do it now. We have to wait because we have to record another show very shortly. All right, then it's a deal. We'll have you back as soon as possible. But first, before we bid a fond farewell to Adam Levy, I want to thank AudioQuip. I want to thank Smart Start MN. Sean Bernard, thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you to all our Patreon members. Don't forget, this coming weekend, we are going to be drawing names, five names, to get a copy of the Never Give Up on Your Stupid, Stupid Dreams (laughs) by Yua Vang. Yua. Why does it keep cutting off? I hate it. Anyway, if you're a member of our Patreon community, patreon.com slash the Brian Oak Show. Otherwise, you can become a new member by Friday. We'll draw five winners this weekend. Thanks to Yua. And Adam, thank you very much. So you've got new turn, turn, turn in the works. Tell me about the song and how we're going to wrap up the show. The one, and are we, do you want me to play one for you? Or you want to play a recorded one? I would love to have you play one. Okay. Um, this is a song I wrote a couple months ago in the summer. Uh, and this is one, it was one of the first ones that I sent to the band and said, what do you think? You know, is this worthy of turn, turn, turn this? And they said, yeah, it's not bad. dirty i can't see i'm on the freeway but i ain't free steal from the best and pay the worst everybody ends up in a hurt and deco patterns, rings of Saturn, rings of Saturn. Do drop in and DJ spins. I found the father, but I lost the sale. Heavenly gaze on Ryan's paws. Rebel claws without a pause. Graphite moon, obsidian spoon, of pins and needles, I'm out of tune. Can you hear the tide coming? Can you hear it through your skin? Sending all my best regards, algebra for broken heart. Elephants, rattlesnake, raven, the clay, lotus flower, ginger, lovers gone away. Can you hear it? Pull your 
skin I'm sending all my best regards Algebra for broken hearts